Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. My beloved, today the reading of the Holy Gospel comes to us from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 6, which is possibly one of the most important chapters in the entire Gospel of St. John, if not even in all of the Gospels. In John, chapter 6, we see how it is that the Lord later in this very chapter, in just a few verses, He's going to begin speaking to the people about how it is that He is the bread of life, and how it is that it is He truly who comes down from heaven, And it is his body that must be broken and distributed so that they can eat and be filled. And he's going to have this great discussion with the people in order to reveal himself to be the one who was sent by the Father. And he's going to tell them in just a few verses how it is that their ancestors are the ones who ate of the manna in the wilderness. But they ate and remained hungry. They ate and were not satisfied. They ate and they had to continue coming back for more because they were not filled when they ate the manna, even though it came from God. Because it is not what comes from God that fills us, but rather it is God Himself. And so He tells them, I am the bread. He doesn't tell them, I will send you the bread. And in the Gospel reading of today, which is only just a few passages before that great oration of I am the bread of life we see how it is that Saint John recalls for us the great miracle of how it is that the Lord continues to feed the people who are hungry you see the people of Israel represent all of humanity and the human being is constantly in a state of hunger the human being is constantly in need of being fed of being satisfied And the Lord who has compassion on His people recognizes that this is the case. So I want you to imagine the situation. The people heard that there is this great prophet, this great teacher, and some people are saying that He is the Messiah. And so they go out to meet Him. And they meet Him on this great mountain. And He spends the entire day with them. And because they did not know what time he would begin, they arrived very early. And so they began the day very early waiting for him to begin preaching. So that they may be able to encounter this person that they say is the Messiah. And so they arrive early and they spend the entire day. But once the day had been far spent, we don't know if the people had prepared for an entire day or not. We don't know if the people thought they were going for a few hours or they were going to spend maybe an afternoon, be home before sunset. But they end up spending the entire day with Jesus. And the Lord who fed them spiritually by giving them the spiritual word that would touch their heart and their soul is now also concerned with making sure that they also eat something so that their body is satisfied. So he turns to his disciples and he tells them, I'm going to use you now. I'm going to need you to help me with this part. And so he turns to his disciples. And seeing a great multitude, 
he said to them, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? <laughs> I need you to understand how big of a request this is. If I tell you, me and the fathers have a quick meeting, it's going to be me and the fathers and two servants, can you just run to Starbucks and get us something to drink? It's easy for you to jump in the car, go to Starbucks, come back with five drinks, خلاص. It's very easy to do. But if we're having a convention, and we have 600 people, and nothing was planned, and I tell you, can you just go to Loblaws and pick up some food for us? You're going to look at me as if I'm crazy. Wouldn't you just want me to go to Loblaws with that simplicity and just figure out how to feed 600 people? Then what if I told you it wasn't the convention? What if I told you it was 5,000 men? What if I told you it wasn't just 5,000 men, it was 5,000 men and their wives and children? And I just simply ask you the question, uh, so how do we feed these people? The reaction of the disciples is one to look at Jesus and to say, what do you mean? <laughs> this, this wasn't part of the plan. It would have been nice for you to tell us before. And even if you told us before, how are we supposed to plan for something like this? How are we supposed to arrange to be able to feed all of these people? But he asks the question in complete simplicity. Why? To test their faith and to see whether or not they know who it is that is standing in front of them. So he tells them, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. You see what the problem is? Is that the disciple actually thought that he was going to be the one to solve the problem. <clears throat> the disciple actually thought that Jesus was turning to him as if Jesus doesn't know what we should do next. And the disciple suddenly, he switches places with the Lord. He takes it upon himself to try to find a solution. But the disciple being like you and me, Philip, who has limited capacities, Philip, who does not have the resources to be able to do anything, he turns to Jesus and says what? Not doable. Why? Because to Philip, if I can't do it, can't be done. Does this logic sound familiar to you? Is this not how we behave with God? When the Lord turns to you and me and He whispers to our heart, what will you do about the problem at home? What will you do about the conflict that exists between you and your husband or your wife or your children? What will you do about the fact that you have not spoken to your father or your mother for years? What will you do about the fact that the sin that is in your life has been there forever? 10, 15, 20 years that you've been addicted to this. What will you do? And because I think I am the one who is responsible, I immediately turn to the Lord and say what? There's nothing that can be done. Nothing is going to change. It's going to remain the same. It will have to be the same way that it's always been. Because I actually think that I am the one who's going to solve the problem. Because I make the mistake of thinking that somehow that question puts me in the position of the person who is in control. 
So what do the disciples do? They give every reason to be able to prove this is impossible. That even if we had 200 denarii, we would not even be able to give them a morsel of bread. And then another disciple says, I think I saw a kid who had his lunch. I think I saw a child who has five loaves and two fish. Taban, when you and me think of five loaves and two fish, we think of Costco-sized bread and Costco-sized fish. This is a little child. We are talking about five morsels of bread and two fish. We're not thinking of like a King Salmon. The child is not walking around with enough food to feed 40 people. He only brought enough to feed himself. And the disciple thought it would be a good idea to say, I, yeah, we, we can today, was it said sarcastically? I question, when the disciples spoke to Jesus, did he mean it seriously? Or was he trying to tell him, what do you want us to do? We have nothing. And I promise you, even though I have the gospel to tell me of the mistakes of the disciples, I continue to do the same thing with God. I tell him, what do you want me to do? You want me to say sorry? I said sorry. It didn't do anything. What do you want me to do? You want me to pray? I prayed. Nothing happened. You want me to try to stop the sin, repent from the sin, avoid certain people? All of these things I've tried. There's no hope. What's the point? What's the point? But the Lord in His humility, He doesn't turn to Philip and to the disciples and He doesn't say, shame on you. You failed the test. He doesn't tell them, how could you? Have you forgotten the supernatural works that I just showed you in the miracles that we did? In the healing of the sick? In the casting out of demons? Have you not seen the glory of God? Have you already forgotten? He doesn't say a single one of those things. What does he do? He says that little lunch that you found with the boy, bring it to me. Bring to me the little that you have. Bring to me the little that you sarcastically make fun of. Give me the little. So when Andrew tells him there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Why does he do that? Why does he say, make the people sit down? You have to understand the people have been standing up all day in order for them to be able to listen to Jesus who was a little bit higher than them on the mountain. They've been standing up in order to be able to receive his word. The moment he says, make them sit down, the people now understand that it's time for what? It's time to eat. <laughs> this, this is a very risky thing to do if you're one of the disciples. If the disciples tell them, begin to sit down, they now have to find a solution. The Lord doesn't tell the disciples what He's about to do. He doesn't tell them, watch this. Give me the five loaves and the two fish. Everybody's eating and you're leaving with a lot more for your family. He doesn't prepare them for what's about to happen. He only tells them the very next step that they have to do. And they in faith have to trust that in following the next step, something great is about to happen. 
I'm going to share with you something that is found in Jewish tradition. The Jewish commentators of the Old Testament, they talk about, they have a lot of commentary specifically on the story of how it is that Moses, through God, led them out of Egypt. And as you know, the great miracle after the ten plagues was that Moses stood in front of the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted. In Jewish culture and tradition, there is something that says that once Moses stood up in front of the waters, the waters only began to move every step they took forward. Moses didn't do this and then they saw it open and so they ran. The waters only moved at the same pace as they did. Why is this an important image to have? God is not going to let you know His plan. He's simply going to ask you, do you trust me? But I like being in control. And because I like being in control, what do I tell God? First show me your plan. I will revise it. Send you my comments. We can then edit it. And we can agree. But once we agree, then we can move forward. Until then, no deal. God says, as you wish. No deal. I treat God as if I'm in business with Him. I treat God as if He is my equal. But the Lord says, Do you trust me? So He tells them, sit down. Make them all sit down. And they did so. And we know the rest of the story. They know how it is. We know how it is that the Lord took the five loaves and the two fish. Everybody ate. Everybody ate and was filled. Everybody ate and was filled. Nobody comes to God without leaving filled if they know who He is. But there are those who come to God without knowing who He is, without being willing to sit down in His presence, and they walk away empty. Does this remind you of a story in the Gospel? The story of the young rich man in Matthew chapter 19 who comes to Jesus very eagerly and he tells him, Good teacher, tell me what must I do in order to inherit eternal life. And in the Gospel of St. Mark it actually says, And the Lord looked at him and loved him. Why? Because he, he had a desire. He wanted the eternal kingdom. But as soon as Jesus said, if you desire to be perfect, go sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. Come carry your cross and follow me. What does the gospel say? He walked away sorrowful, filled with sadness. Jesus will respect every decision you want to make. If you want to come and be filled and you are willing to sit in his presence, you leave filled. But if you come and you are not ready to give up what you have, especially control. If you want to come to God and remain in control, you leave empty and sorrowful. Empty and sorrowful. Listen to the psalm that the church chose for us today. In the readings of today's gospel, we read the following Psalm 96. Give to the Lord 
O families of the peoples, give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. That little child, that little child who might be one of the only people who prepared that day to have food with him. I want you to imagine the trust and the faith in the obedience of that child who didn't eat all day. <laughs> and then an adult comes to him and tells him, can I have your lunch? Why? Because the master wants it. Remember, the disciples didn't know the plan. So they couldn't tell the child the plan. They couldn't tell that little boy, don't worry, you'll get it back. They couldn't tell him, he has a plan, he'll make sure you eat. The only thing they could say is bring an offering. Would you offer it to the master? Because that child offered, how many were fed? How many were filled? What happens when a single human being decides to say, I surrender my control and I offer? What happens? Twelve men change the entire world. Twelve men and seventy along with them made the entire world Christian because they offered. What would happen if we offered in our homes? What would happen if I became the offering for the sake of my wife and children? What would happen if I became the offering for the sake of my neighbors, for the sake of the people that I work with, for the sake of the world and the country that I live in? What would happen if every one of us decided that we would offer our hearts to God like this child and say, I don't know what you'll do. I'm not in control, but I trust you. You'll do what's best. Bring an offering to the Lord and watch how many are filled because of it. And watch how many souls come to Christ because of it. There is a beautiful, beautiful saying by a great Eastern saint of Russia. His name is Saint Seraphim of Serov. Saint, Serov, Saint Seraphim was an ascetic who lived in the Russian forests by himself. It's a beautiful story. You should read his life. He had a pet bear. It was a big black bear that used to take care of him in the winter. Saint Seraphim said something really beautiful. He said, if one person acquires the Holy Spirit, a thousand souls around him will be saved. If one person acquires the Holy Spirit. Taban, many of you will hear this and tell me what? But we already have the Holy Spirit. It was given to us in baptism and chrismation. Yes, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit inside you. But I have to confess that I have him locked up in the basement of my heart. I don't let him out. Why? Because to let him out means I have to give him control over my heart. And I'm not ready to give him control because I still like my sins. I still like my addictions. I still like my sinful inclinations. And so what do I do? I keep the Holy Spirit locked up in the basement of my heart. When Saint Seraphim says, acquire the Holy Spirit, what is he saying? Let him work. Let him work. Allow him to take control. If you and me could only learn if you and me can have the humility and the courage 
to tell God, you be in control. I'm not interested. Every time I have been in control, Lord, I have failed. Every time I have been in control, I ruined everything. Every time I have been in control, nothing has progressed, nothing has moved forward, Lord. So I'm done trying to be the one who is in control. <coughs> I give control back to you. I want you to leave today asking yourself the question. The test that the Lord gave the disciples today, when He said, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? How is He asking you this question? What is the question that the Lord is asking every single one of you today? Who is it that the Lord wants to feed around you? Who is it around you that the Lord wants to fill? And He's asking you, what are you going to do about it? The response cannot be, I have nothing. There's no way. It's impossible. I've tried. The response has to be, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. Do you remember the miracle of the turning the water into wine? What did St. Mary tell the servants? What did St. Mary tell the servants after he told her, what do I have to do with you? My time has not yet come. We don't see any more negotiation between her and the Lord Jesus. We don't see any more dialogue. As soon as she said, do something please, she then turns around and tells the servants what? Whatever he asks you to do, do it. If you and me can learn to have that level of surrender, where we give him control, if you tell him whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. And many around us will be fed. Many around us will be filled. May the Lord who fed the tens of thousands with the small offering of a child use the small offerings of our heart that we give to Him so that He also may fill us and all those around us. To Him be all glory now and forever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.